righty, today on the show, St. Maximilian reminds us what it's all about. The apostles give witness even today, diagnosing our present condition. Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Okay, here we are. It is time for the CU Weekly. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 349. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. We've uh, we've boated her in. Uh, she's a religion teacher at Archbishop mm-hmm. Chappelle High School in Metairie. She's our locally sourced faith ninja. Yep. And you, you've braved uh, Here I am. a little bit of the rain yeah, to get to so us. Yeah, it's not so bad out there right now, but it's, you know. it's coming. That's yeah. right. <laughs> indeed. Indeed it is. Mm-hmm. Olivia Galino also here. She's the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're still our food critic. Oh, <laughs> always. Italian and otherwise. <laughs> Welcome, Olivia. That's right. And uh, up in space, we got Jeff Blackwell. He's the technical director of the CU. Um, you remember him as the commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Jeff, I think it's time for for a, a promotion. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. Um, nothing but black skies smiling at me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Little Irving Berlin for, mm-hmm. for all of you. Uh, uh, speaking of Irving Berlin, we've also got uh, Ed Ball, who is dancing across the keypad. Uh, working our video feed. So if you're watching us on Facebook Live, uh, you can thank Ed because he's responsible for making it look good on Facebook Live. And uh, if you're watching us on Catholic Television and any of those affiliates on Catholic Live Television, if you're watching us on Telecare, well, thank you. Thanks for watching. We're glad that your television is not now broken uh, because of our actions. <laughs> so. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yet. Yet. All righty. Okay. Well, uh, you know... I think this show is going to kind of run a common theme, and quite possibly uh, this has come about just by a little bit of prayer, actually, uh, looking for the heroes in our culture. Interestingly enough, a lot of the heroes in our culture have gone before us, marked with the sign of faith, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe to talk a little bit about diagnosing our present culture. And so maybe a good place to start with that is by looking not too long ago, and we've, we've actually mentioned him before, St. Maximilian Kolbe. St. Mm-hmm. Maximilian... Uh, is is uh, definitely a, a saint of our time, um, kind of like uh, Saint Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. saints of our time. Those who who are, are not very far away in terms of um, of, of when they lived, sure. and especially when we look at how with with recent events, it seems like everything is is more divided than it ever was. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and so with that. Uh, we are usually the ones who seek to divide ourselves, right, right. you know, sadly. Um, theologically, politically, socially, racially, huh? mm-hmm. even liturgically, uh, yes. our fallen humanity is on display for all to see. Uh, and, and so it's vital that we look not to our failings, but to the dignity of our humanity. And, uh, and so we have to recognize that, that the world in which we live is not just simply a place where fallen humanity has its way, but rather it's a humanity that, that is sanctified and give, given dignity because Christ, the Son of the living God, became human, became flesh. He lived among us. Mm-hmm. And that's really the way that it's all tied up. And so our entire human person, right, uh, our biology, our psychology, our spirituality is honored because Christ chose to participate in human work. Mm-hmm. And more than anything... We, we see that in saints like St. Maximilian Kolbe, because Jesus shows us the way uh, of, of, of his own cross 
so that we can participate in restored humanity. It doesn't seem to make sense, does it? That yeah. that it's it's through suffering that we come to see humanity in its fullness. Oftentimes we think about suffering as humanity in its most broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet Jesus kind of turns that on his head. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just talked to my students about this. We were learning about the sacraments, so setting that up and about, yeah. you know, why Christ came as a human being and had to suffer. And they, you know, just to watch and be like, I don't know about, you know. Like, yeah, what? right. Yeah. yeah, so it's definitely a hard, a hard. Do you find that your students actually um, are able to, on some level, go, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when it, when, when I line things up, you know, through mm-hmm. creation and, and um, mm-hmm. the story of salvation, they were like, okay, all yeah. right. Right, exactly. You, you know, yeah. yeah. And in fact, Gaudium Espes, which we'll, we'll, uh, we'll note several times during this program, uh, speaks about the church in the modern world. And of course, Gaudium Espes means joy and hope. Mm-hmm. This was the pastoral constitution uh, on the church in the modern world. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it talks about, it's, very, it's incredibly Christocentric. And it says that Jesus delivered us so that each one of us can say with the apostle, the Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. We, we echo St. Paul. Uh, yeah. By suffering for us, he not only provides us with an example for our imitation, but he blazes a trail, and if we follow it, life and death are made holy and take on a new meeting. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, we, we move into to St. Maximilian. He was perhaps one of the ultimate witnesses uh, within our own time uh, of stepping forward, uh, claiming the dignity that Christ gives us. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, uh, actually, St. Maximilian Colby, is your is that your confirmation he's my, saint? Yeah, he's my confirmation saint, and I actually wear um, one of my, one of the A-team in here <laughs> is his medal, and it has a relic. Yeah, so yeah. If, you, if, you're, oh, if you're listening cool. to us on the podcast, there's mm-hmm. a, um, uh, a rather large... Um, the jingly noise you hear. Yeah, conglomeration <laughs> yeah. of medals there. Uh, it's the saints talking, but yeah, that's sure. my. Uh, oh, this was a gift from my mom, and it has a third class relic on the back. Oh wow! Because I mean, there's obviously no first class relics or second class, but yeah. uh, I think this was. It's a piece of cloth that was touched to oh, yes, um, like right. a, a hair from his beard. Wow. Oh wow! How neat! Oh. Yeah. Wow! And so there, there, there you are. Um, yeah. And so, so Maximilian Kolbe steps forward and takes the place of a man condemned to die a gruesome death. Yeah. Um, so, so the the prisoner uh, Francis, uh, his name was Francis, cho- was chosen to die by by the um, the Nazi soldiers who were in charge of the death camp. It was uh, he cried out, "Jesus, Mary, my wife, my children," mm-hmm. and that's when Father Kolbe stepped forward and reminded us of the dignity that we have as sons and daughters of Christ. He chose to be a son of Jesus in that yeah. moment, huh? And and to identify him, with him uh, in a very uh, real way. Uh, and I love it, what he chose yeah. to say. You know, he didn't just volunteer. He said, "I want to die instead of him." Yeah. You know, that's how that's how he volunteered. Mm-hmm. And and so he steps forward. And it's interesting because if if you know about about Saint Maximilian Kolbe, one of the things that that he seeks to do or, or sought to do, and actually his his uh, his organization, the Militia Immaculata, of which I'm a member, mm-hmm. uh, still seeks to do, is to spread devotion to Mary Immaculate. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you have uh, whenever you have a father of children step forward and first of all cry Jesus and Mary, mm-hmm. uh, that that had to have kind of. Maximilian must have said, oh, wait, this is the crowns yeah. that Our Lady's mm-hmm. talking about. Because when he was a child, uh, Our Lady offered him two crowns. One was the crown of sainthood. Mm-hmm. One was the crown of martyrdom. And he says, I want them both. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, whenever our, our Lord and Our Lady's name was invoked together, he steps forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he does this not because he thinks that his life is, is suitable to kind of be thrown away, but rather because he wants to live fully. 
It's sure. almost like, you, you know, I'm thinking about the wedding at Cana when Christ um, tells Mary, you know, my hour has not yet come. And she turns to the stewards and she says, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's his trigger that, no, this, your hour is beginning. You know, this mm-hmm. is the anticipa- anticipa- anticipation of it. Sorry. That's yeah. okay. Um, but it's almost like that's what he was hearing when he heard those words. He heard the invocation of Mary and, and yeah, Jesus. And so, yeah. and and so he his, breaks ranks, yeah. right? He steps forward, which of course is one of those things that, that can get you killed. Mm-hmm. And he approaches the officers. And uh, an eyewitness said he didn't walk like a beggar nor like a hero. He walked like a man conscious of a great mission, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. He stood calmly before the officers. And the, the SS uh, camp officers were, were more uh, shocked than irate, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Father Colby just simply said, I want to die instead of him, as you said. And interestingly enough, um, it, it, was, it was the camp commander who was forced to recognize Maximilian's dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, they were calling them swine. You know, what does this Polish swine mm-hmm. want? Yeah. And even even Saint Maximilian uh, in the in the the starvation chamber, he was the one who was teaching the other members of uh, you know there with him to sing. They were mm-hmm. chanting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so again, you're exposed to beauty. Mm-hmm. You're exposed to, to genuine joy and even evil has to cower in the face of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the description of how he, how he walked and presented himself because mm-hmm. when you see his pictures, he's very, um, very stoic and very, I, I would imagine he's very unemotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't like this, this grand, like, no, no, you know, <laughs> that's it, it me. Was, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just simply, yeah, I, I'll do it. That's right. You know, and then, you know, and then it, he just did what he was called to do yeah and it showed in his in his even in his walk you know yeah that's awesome and and interestingly enough according to the eyewitness the uh, the ss captain turns to him and addresses him formally you mm-hmm. know we we have a our formal you and our informal you are, are the same in yeah. english but mm-hmm. but he uses the formal you and says why do you want to die instead of him mm-hmm. and the only thing that maximilian says is he has a wife and children and he says, this is the entire catechism in a nutshell. He thought his life as a priest was worth less than the life of a father of a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that right there, that's really, it's, it's a catechism of the priesthood, too. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Father Colbe dies in the starvation bunker in place of, of uh, Francis, um, but not without singing hymns and uttering prayers and providing absolution. Can you imagine hearing confessions in a starvation chamber? Oh, my. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's... In the midst of great despair, mm-hmm. a, a saint is still able to provide hope, joy, peace, all the things that the sacramental life of the church can give. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. And it's amazing because he it took him, I think, 10 days to die. Yeah. And, and did not by starvation. He he was basically unkillable because, um, you know, you read the accounts and he was just joyful all the way to the end. And like, you know, he wouldn't die from starvation. So they had to give him basically a lethal injection. And that's mm-hmm. how he died. Mm-hmm. But because he, he was offering consolation to the other prisoners and even like after everyone else was gone, he was still joyful. Right. And it's just like it's almost unfathomable you know to that think kind about. of joy yeah right. yeah uh, in fact um whenever he was canonized in 1982 um pope now saint john paul ii mm-hmm. reminds us and i quote yes at the base of this holiness lies the great but deeply painful question of humanity this difficult tragic era marked by the terrible trampling of human dignity yet in auschwitz was born its saving sign love proved stronger than death stronger than the anti-human system. 
human love achieved its victory where hatred and contempt for human beings seemed to triumph. And interestingly enough, um, the man whose life was spared, uh, Francis, was there to hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is really the, the reason that we, that we open with, with St. Maximilian is because we have a lot of division uh, in our world, certainly, but in the United States, if you're listening to us from, uh, from across the pond. And it is the witness of St. Maximilian that reminds us that our dignity is not to be found in states. Our dignity is not to be found in, um, in political theory. Our dignity is not found in what we eat or, or even the way that our bodies uh, look on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Huh? Our dignity is found because we are gods. Mm-hmm. We belong to God. Our dignity is found because we belong to Christ and we identify with him. And through baptism, certainly, we become, we become uh, partakers in his life, death, and resurrection. And that's not just a, something that we say, but it is very real. And you know, if we are indeed these dignified children of God, then, then we have a responsibility to do what St. Maximilian does. And that is to recognize the dignity of others, even the captain of an SS detachment, yeah. who happens to be the commandant of a prison camp. Even that man mm-hmm. has dignity. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know um, that 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 particular uh, captain um, slowly, or the commandant, was was converted. Mm. He was converted yeah. because his dignity was recognized because the 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 anti moral or, or the anti human system of which he was a part. Um, was actually emptying him of his own meaning. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know. Oh, what a witness it is, you know, just at the canonization, that two sons of Poland who were alive during this time where there was great hatred. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one celebrating the canonization of, of the other. Um, both two holy men who just who just lived I don't yeah. you know I, it's hard to say like they just lived their life, but they just did what they were called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just answered the call of God in their life. Yeah, and, and, exactly. And look at how both of them change the world and, and what evidence it is that um, if we do what we're called to do, yeah, can we rise above this hate and division? Absolutely. Right. That there is hope to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we live the way that we're called to live. That's right. If we live as dignified mm-hmm. sons and daughters of God. And uh, I mean, I'm reminded as you say that of what Jesus tells us. He says, you know, at the end of it all, the only thing that we have a right to say is that we are unprofitable servants. We did what we were commanded to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we were just following orders, but that we were loved so much by a God who loves us in unfathomably that, that his only son dies for us. And if, his, and if the son of God can do that, then we too can die to all of these isms. We too can, can die to, to our own selfishness um, so that we may rise. And we actually begin that resurrection process now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's that's why the kingdom of God is not far from us if we belong to Christ. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy topic to begin with, but there's a lot of heaviness on the television right now. Yeah, and so I think that that if we really are going to 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 do our job well, we need to dive deep. Mm-hmm. You know, and and of course, the Catholic Underground is a place where we have the opportunity to have those discussions. So uh, I suppose, Jeff, um, with that, we should remind everybody of what they're watching and listening to. This is. The Catholic Underground. <laughs> you know, they say uh, that uh, good rock music is only three chords. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. You are listening to The Catholic Underground. 
We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris Decker. We've got Jeff Blackwell up in space uh, spinning the beats for us, as it were. (laughs) Olivia Galino. Yeah, there there you go. Yeah, DJJB. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Galino's over here uh, on Earth. As well as Kathleen Lee. Uh, Ed's up in space too, by the way. Mostly I'm on Earth. Mostly on Earth. Yeah. We're not saying where your head is, right? Sometimes not. Head is space, body on Earth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Just a small gossamer strand tethering them together. Yeah. It's a delicate balance. Ah, yes. Our picks of the week are coming up in a little bit. Uh, but first, you know, we talked about the witness of, of St. Maximilian Kolbe at the top of the show, um, whose witness still kind of stands today because that's really what the saints do. They, they continue to witness. Whatever happened to the 12 apostles, you may wonder. Good question. Yeah. I was just talking to my students about this. You know, we're talking about the beginning of, of you know, the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about how, you know, there was a moment in these guys' life. Yep. You know, um, Jesus ascends to heaven and he's like, go get them. Yeah. Go out there. Go and baptize, you know, all the nations. <laughs> Don't just stand around. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? What happened? Mm-hmm. And, the, and then there was this moment, like they could have gone back and done what they had done with the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, and th- that would have been it. Yep. Um, or they could actually do what they were called to do and go out and do something. And, and they did. And so, so where did they end up? All over the place, y'all. Mm-hmm. All over the place. And um, did they make disciples of all the nations? I'm going to go ahead and say I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go through um, the apostles and, and find out where, to, you know, sadly, <laughs> I'm reading it. And then that this person was martyred. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. you know. Like St. Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of them. I think all but one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't an easy thing. Right. And they knew this is going to be rough. But um, but they did great things. And, and we are here now doing what we're doing now because of them. So let's start uh, with Peter. Right? Mm-hmm. It's traditionally believed that Peter first traveled to Antioch and established a community there. Although he didn't stay very long, um, he's often known as the first bishop of Antioch. Yep. What's up? So after that, he <laughs> Even made... Even before he got to Rome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, like, he's already starting off, you know... And it's funny, too, because Peter, of all of them, right, uh, Peter yeah. Peter is the one who, who, uh, who fell pretty hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. But boy, was he reconciled yeah. pretty hard too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in a really he's awesome al- way. He's always my favorite because I'm always like, I could just imagine the rest of the apostles going, "Dude, Peter, just stop it! No, don't get no. Oh, there he goes. He out said it. Yeah. He's going out the boat. I identify with Peter in so many ways. Yes, uh huh, right. So he started off in Antioch, and then after that, he may have visited Corinth um, yep. before, of course heading to Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and there he helped form the Christian community and was ultimately martyred uh, yep. in the circus of Nero around 64 AD in Rome. So you're thinking about um, about 30 years after the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too that when we're talking certainly about martyrdom, spoiler alert, there mm-hmm. are a lot that we're going to list here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was in the midst of, a, of an anti-human right. time mm-hmm. in the ancient world. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you catching a theme? You know, mm-hmm. and yet the apostles, like uh, Max Colby, mm-hmm. you know, witness in the midst of that. In the midst of that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. they they are anti anti human regime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, of course, we know Saint Peter's Basilica in the Vatican is built on top of Saint Peter's tomb, mm-hmm. um, which I have not visited yet, but one day. Perhaps put that it's in your awesome, prayer. It's awesome, by the yeah. way. Put that it's in your cool. prayer. Oh, I'm sure it's fantastic. It's one of the electric places yeah. uh, on earth. It's a it's a weird experience. I don't know, at least for me to like look through like a basically a little keyhole and mm-hmm. be like, oh, that's the first pope. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh. 
one day. Hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> road, road trip. trip. Yeah. Sorry. Catholic underground road trip. What's up? All right. Andrew is our next apostle we're going to look at. And after Pentecost, many of the ancient traditions uh, point to Andrew um, as the apostle to the Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's believed that he preached to the Greek communities and was martyred at Patras mm-hmm. on a cross in the shape of an X. Yeah. Right. His relics were eventually transferred to the Duomo Cathedral in Amalfi, Italy. Oh, yeah. I've always wanted to go to mm-hmm. Amalfi. I haven't been yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're adding things to our trip. Hey, <laughs> you know that we could hey. use that Rome to Rio uh, um, right. web yes. app from my pick of the week last yes. week and we see how much it's going to cost by bus or, or train to do all that. Oh, yeah. That would be an awesome trip. That would be a good price. <laughs> it would be a cool thing to like trace the the apostles. yeah the steps yeah. of the yeah. apostles. That would be cool. You'd almost have to leave Paul out because yeah. he has yeah. a whole other side of the world. Of course, you'd have to go to India for someone, but I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. We ain't got time for all this. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So next is James. It's a lot the, of next is James the Great, which I mean I think is a phenomenal name, and we know that of course if there's a James the Great, eventually there will be a James the Less. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and you and of course you, are you gonna? I don't. I don't. I'm not looking at your notes. Are you mm-hmm. gonna tell us why he's James the Great? Um. No. Okay. Well, keep going then. Okay, I'll, I'll fill um, it in. And it's held that James was the first was the first apostle to actually be martyred. And of course, in the Acts of the Apostles, it reads, "Herod the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword." Mm-hmm. So he died in 44 A.D. in Jerusalem, but his tomb is nowhere near this location. Of course, if you refer back to <laughs> I know uh, where last he is. Week's, uh, <laughs> my pick of the week. Um, after his death, his body was transferred to Spain. Right, and it's currently located in Santiago de Compostela, mm-hmm. and his tomb is the destination point for the centuries-old pilgrimage, El Camino, or the Camino, which is still popular that's today. Right. In fact, that's why oftentimes when you see James the Greater, uh, he's uh, he's got the pilgrim shell on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the little shell there. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, James the Greater is is called James the Greater because he's not James the Less. Yeah. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. One's the son of Zebedee, and one's not. That's, that's all that's it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and the next is John, and John is the author, of the author of the Gospel of John and the Book of Revelations, and was the only apostle not to have a martyr's death. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Right? <laughs> he was at the foot of the cross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In Revelation, yeah. he writes from the island of Patmos, Greece, and he says, "I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom, and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos." on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And he died around 100 AD and is buried near Ephesus. 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 Mm-hmm. It's okay. Ephesus. It's all right. You're doing great. I know. Why are you giving me big You're words? You're doing great. All right. Then we have Philip, right? Philip, in the years following Pentecost, Philip ministered to Greek-speaking communities. Mm-hmm. And not a lot is known about his adventures, except that he was martyred around 80 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, and his relics are located in the Basilica Santi Apostoli. Santi Apostoli. Santi Apostoli That's right. in the, Rome. The, the Basilica Roma. of the Holy Apostles. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Bartholomew, and not a lot, of course, is known about him either um, regarding his evangelization efforts, um, but various traditions have him preaching in different areas. Um, it's believed that he was martyred, and his remains are currently located in the church of St. Bar- Bartholomew in the island. Yeah, yeah. In Rome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, in specific. fact, uh, Santa Bartolomeo mm-hmm. is, uh, is a great little church there. And uh, Bartholomew is really interesting because, well, among other things, he was flayed alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, oh, there's wow. actually a statue, uh, if you're watching us on the feed, there was a statue in um, uh, St. John Lateran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, St. John Lateran uh, that shows uh, his, uh, his, his skin kind of, he's presenting mm-hmm. it to you along with the knife. 
mm-hmm. and uh, it's I believe it's it's uh, the Carver's face. Is it Michelangelo? That well, I know that Michelangelo painted his face on it in the Sistine Chapel. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, you yeah. You see Saint Bartholomew holding intense. his flayed skin, and it's yeah. a portrait of uh, Michelangelo. Yeah. Didn't have a great self-image that one. No, yeah. no, yeah. There you go. So then so. we have Thomas, who, as we know, is the doubting apostle, and he's widely known for his missionary efforts in India. Mm-hmm. And there's a popular story about one of his adventures that focuses on the conversion of a local doubting king. Ah. He died around 72 AD, and his tomb is located in Milapur, India. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving yeah. on to Matthew, who's one of our four evangelists. He's the most well-known for his gospel, mm-hmm. and he preached to various communities in the Mediterranean before his martyrdom in Ethiopia. And his tomb is located in Salerno, Italy. Okay. And here uh, I we didn't come, know that either. Mm-hmm. And here we come to James the Less. Mm-hmm. Um, scholars believe that he authored the epistle of St. James found in the New Testament. And after the apostles dispersed and left Jerusalem, um, he actually remained and became the first bishop in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, he remained there for several decades until he was stoned to death womp, by the Jewish authorities in the year 62. Um, some of his relics can be found in the Basilica Santi Apostoli. Santi Apostoli. Apostoli. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good time. <laughs> in Rome, it's also believed his tomb is located at the St. James Cathedral in Jerusalem. Um, Judas Thaddeus yeah, yeah. Is, Jude. Oft, is often known as the Forgotten Apostle due to Aww. his name being unfortunately the same as Judas Iscariot. Mm-hmm. And St. Jude preached um, the gospel in various places. He was revered by the Armenian church as the apostle to the Armenians. Um, he suffered martyrdom around 65 AD in Beirut, Lebanon, and his remains are currently in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Mm-hmm. Then we have Simon the Zealot, and he is often depicted with Judas Thaddeus because Thaddeus because some believe that they preached together as a team, as a okay. duo. Um, and this is due in part Makes because... Makes for a good parish mission. <laughs> this is due in part because of a tradition that states they were both martyred in Beirut in the same year. Uh, okay. Yeah, and some of his relics are believed to be located also in St. Peter's Basilica. Got it. And last but not least, we have Matthias. That's right. He was right. the second string guy. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. was, after being chosen as the replacement apostle, man, that's just, this is yeah. just unfortunate. <laughs> One tradition states that Matthias founded a church in Cappadocia mm-hmm. and ministered to Christians on the coast of the uh, Caspian Sea. Mm-hmm. It's believed that he died a martyr's death and was beheaded with an axe yep. in Colchis <laughs> at the hands of the many pagans that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of his relics are said to have been brought to Rome by St. Helena. Oh, wow. So as we can yeah. see, the apostles went out, they did what they were called to do, um, and many, most, gave their life for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the things I think that's really cool about Matthias is it proves that the apostolic tradition continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They recognize that there was an import to there being 12. Right, right yeah. mm-hmm. You know, the, the 12 tribes, uh, judging the 12 tribes, uh, mm-hmm. standing on the, the, the 12 thrones, uh, yeah. that's alluded to in the book of Revelation. And of course, we, we have today the successors of those apostles and our bishops. Mm-hmm. There are more than 12. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, a but, few. But but the world is actually because of their witness, um, a lot bigger mm-hmm. in Christianity. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, thank you, Kathleen, for breaking down the Anytime. apostles for us. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but we're going to take a break, uh, as you know. But we're the Catholic Underground, so stay right where you are. A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, 
Grant, we beseech you, through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. You have found the Catholic Underground in the midst of rain or wind or sleep, perhaps. I don't know. How what is it? Know? The post office doctor. Come rain, night. come wind, come slow, come snow, come sleet. Come Just bring me a night. taco, will you? No, I think that's Green Lantern oh, you're thinking of. Oddly enough, Kathleen with a <laughs> Green Lantern <laughs> reference. Wow. What's going on there? Yeah. I think that's one that's of the like horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm. <laughs> you, you have found the Catholic underground, obviously, because it's starting to spread. Yep. <laughs> we're, Unless we're, it was the Ryan Reynolds version. Well, oh, you know. Well. No, that, that mm. yeah. That didn't anyway. It would be the only reason I would watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm Father Chris. Sh- I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I, I watched it once. That was all I needed. Yeah. Uh, that's Kathleen right yep. there, and uh, Olivia, of course, yeah, and then uh, Jeff in space, and, and hello Ed. up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was unexpected. <laughs> that escalated quickly. I'm sorry that I shocked you. <laughs> right, okay. I love that. Anyway, uh, so so uh, we we continue our theme uh, in the show uh, about about giving witness, mm-hmm. and one of the important things that we have to realize too is is that we ourselves, you who are listening to the show, you who are watching. Uh, we're we're not called just to be innocent bystanders in this this thing called life. Uh, we are actually called to be saints. We're we're called to be the the next generation, the present and next generation of those who will be venerated. Again, not because we're glorious, but because God is glorious, and we wish to participate in that glory. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're reminded uh, by by Saint Peter in his first letter, uh, chapter two. If you're following along, uh, verses eleven and twelve, that. Our home isn't here. Mm-hmm. He says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens or strangers and sojourners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against the soul. Maintain good conduct among the Gentiles so that if they speak of you as evildoers, they may observe your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. Uh, he's certainly speaking uh, to, to the Jewish audience there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but more so than, than just a, a displaced Jewish person in a Gentile land, the Christian finds himself in a foreign land when he's presented with the reality of what Jesus asks of us and really commands of us in the gospel. Um, but my question is, I suppose, in a, among several, is, is what happens if we don't recognize that we're strangers and sojourners on the earth? Mm-hmm. You know, And really, Christian writers have been asking that question for, well, as long as there's been Christian literature. Mm-hmm. You know, and we thought maybe we'd muse a little bit on on what what is our present situation, mm-hmm. uh, kind of echoing some of the themes of the Second Vatican Council. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, in 1962, the Second Vatican Council was coming uh, at the at the end of the of the Reconstruction after the Second World War, after the Reconstruction after the First World War, and then of course the World Wars that that spanned that. Mm-hmm. And so it was beginning to ask those questions of of, of who is man in this modern world. And how how ought we to see ourselves uh, going forward into the future? Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course the, the church certainly does that, but but uh, artists do as well. Mm-hmm. 
and and yeah. Walker Percy uh, is one of those Southern writers that that we don't hear a whole lot about. We do in Louisiana because mm -hmm, yeah. he he's got a little bit of a following here. He's from uh, Louisiana, and he's actually buried at St. Joseph Abbey in mm -hmm. uh, in Covington, which is where uh, I went to college, where I went to college seminary. Mm -hmm. And so we'd uh, often have a, a little Walker Percy walk and, and walk to the back and you know venerate the grave of walker percy yeah. <laughs> you know um and and he uh kind of falls in with with uh c.s lewis and gk chesterton and J.R.R. tolkien but as with a lot of southern gothic writers he he kind of works as a as a diagnostician mm -hmm. and uh, in fact if i may quote him at length Sure. And please, I will. Please do. He says, to the degree that a society has been overtaken by a sense of malaise rather than exuberance, by fragmentation rather than wholeness, the vocation of the artist, whether a novelist, a poet, a playwright, or filmmaker, can perhaps be said to come that much closer to that of a diagnostician rather than the artist's celebration of life in a triumphant age. And so he's saying that that whenever whenever the 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 age in which we live is descending into perhaps an anti-humanism mm -hmm. uh, as it has before uh, when we're not in a, a triumphant age you know then the artist has kind of a different picture to paint mm -hmm. uh, he says something is indeed wrong and one of the tasks of the serious novelist is if not to isolate the bacillus uh, uh, the, the the bacteria under the microscope mm -hmm. at least to give the sickness a name to render the unspeakable speakable he says, not to overwork the comparison, the artist's work is such times, in such times is assuredly not that, that of a pathologist whose subject matter is a corpse and whose question is not what is wrong, but what did the patient die of? He says, for I take it as going without saying that the entire enterprise of literature is that of a physician undertaken in hope. Otherwise, why would we be here? Why bother to read or write or teach or study if the patient is already dead? He says, for in this case, the patient is the culture itself. Mm -hmm. And so the, the role of the Christian author, especially in a time where, where humanity is kind of in a, you know, uh, 52 pickup, where are mm -hmm. we? Mm -hmm. It's to say, what is going on? What is, what is the name of the sickness? Yeah. And for him, he says that it is, it is malaise. Yeah. And it's so interesting too this point about how artists have that unique perspective. You know, reading it, it's reading that that quote. It sounds like um, a kind of eminent philosopher. You know, because mm -hmm. philosophers kind of tend to be in the background or like undergirding everything. So like, there's philosophy everywhere, but it yeah. tends to be subtle and like subtext mm -hmm. in what we think and what we say and what we do. Um, but you know, artists have such a particular role because they're in the culture, they're in the yeah. midst of it. And it's yeah. almost like they can give voice to philosophy. They, exactly. they kind of make it present on a stage. Exactly. And this is, you know, what people consume. They read books, they read, I mean, they watch movies, they look at paintings, you know, there's all mm -hmm. kinds of consumption of art. Yeah. And so it's really up to artists like Percy and others, you know, to, to fashion good food for people to consume. Right. Um, and so like he's, he's up to not only, I, I think like diagnosing the malaria but also trying to treat it, you know, by making good food for people. Right. Uh, or at least like giving like a pill of self-awareness. <laughs> there so, you, you know, go. So yeah. you can identify the problem. the Jetsons of you, but that's uh, true. You know. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing about it is uh, Walker Percy was very much steeped in um, in the existentialist writers. Uh, yeah. and, and one of his, one that he kind of quotes uh, very well, actually he quotes it almost word for mm -hmm. word in The Moviegoer, which is one of his, um, his novels. He quotes Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, and he says, The specific character of despair is precisely this. It is unaware of being in despair. Right. And, and you have to wonder, again, we, we are trying to, to diagnose our own culture, 
And malaise is not recognizing that we are in danger. Mm -hmm. It is just kind of going kind of step by step, day by day. Yeah. And I think, you know, bringing in Kierkegaard brings up a good point, too, that, you know, because, you know, Kierkegaard had something that kind of um, helped his philosophy along of like, you have to get beyond yourself. Yeah. You know, you have to eventually like. Make a jump somewhere. You have to, yeah, you have to, you know, his famous leap of faith, but you, you know, you still take yourself along, but you got to keep going. You got to like reach further than you think you're capable. And I think that's the trap of despair and, and this malaise that Percy talks about is it's kind of self-referential, you know, as everything turns back on myself. So I can't get out of myself. I can't get out of the cycle of me. Yeah. We talk and, about the echo chamber and mm-hmm. I think that's really perhaps the danger of social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Is, is we just kind of get this, this feedback loop of ourself to ourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you and, and honestly, folks, I, I wouldn't do this as an exercise. But if you read any of the um, the, the postmodern existentialist philosophers, a lot of them are not really fun to read, mm, no, <laughs> because no. they do get caught in that loop, that self loop, you know. Mm-hmm. And perhaps Kierkegaard is one of the only ones who breaks out and says, "Well, you have to make a leap of faith." Because he was Christian. Well, because he was Christian. <laughs> and that kind of gets us where we're going, right? Um, for for one in the midst of a malaise, it's even possible to practice the faith. Um, without realizing that we're in a strange land. In fact, in the moviegoer, again, um, the main character, uh, Binks, I believe, is his, is his name. I think. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> I, I should have. I should have done this. I should have the research. But anyway, he has an he has an uncle, and uh, he describes his uncle. He says he's an exemplary Catholic, but it's hard to know why he takes the trouble. For the world he lives in, the city of man, is so pleasant that the city of God must hold little in store for him because he's a successful Christian. And so he's kind of musing on why Catholicism specifically is so important to his Uncle Jules. Because mm-hmm. he goes to Mass, you know, he lives his life. But is it possible to kind of go through the motions of being Catholic and and not realize that that we are perhaps sometimes oblivious to the possibility of God? Mm-hmm. And those are some of the questions I think that the Second Vatican Council was asking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is are are we are we oblivious to even the possibility of God? Not that he's dead, mm-hmm. not that we killed him, you know, like mm-hmm. so many of the existentialists would say, right? There's the famous God is dead. He's mm-hmm. not. But is it a possible in the world in which we live to just kind of not be open to the possibility that he's there? Mm-hmm. And forget that, you know. Well, that's like John Paul II, I think, you know, talked about being living as practical atheists. You know, like we can, we espout the, the creed and, and we, we acknowledge that we believe these things, but we don't yeah. act like it. Yeah. And if there's that disparity between what I say and what I do, uh, then there's a disparity in the person. There's almost like this division, like within myself. Right. And I can't, you know, seem to glue the pieces back together. Yeah. Um, so I think in that sense, yeah, like, we we want to we uh, we want to immediately disagree that that God is dead. You know, we want to say no, that's wrong. That's right. God is and we know God that is in, alive in our Western culture. We say that right? No, yeah. he's not dead. I believe in God. Exactly. I haven't killed anybody. I'm basically a good person. Yeah, but we don't realize that if we want to say God is alive, we have to act like it. That's right. We have yeah. to be. Uh, a pr- the presence of God for other people, but we also have to make him known to people that's correct, yeah. and point to him and say, that's where he is. Because if we, if we don't, and even if we just live giving lip service mm-hmm. to the, to the, perhaps the notion of God, maybe the possibility of him, we see all these isms that rumble, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, racism, this, uh, you could almost say white supremacism, mm-hmm. huh? That that's once again, kind of stirring itself into the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Neo-nationalism, you know, mm-hmm. this, this notion that, that the state, 
somehow is is our God. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, all those isms that dominate the news. I mean, if you look at the twenty four news cycle, twenty four hour news cycle, even the twenty four hour news cycleism, yeah, right, mm-hmm. uh, is is kind of something new that's within our culture. Um, if you look at, at uh, the, the supposed brave, new, and exciting world of, of, uh, of sexual identity, kind mm-hmm. of uh, forgetting biology, forgetting psychology, forgetting all of those, those sciences that, that have come such a, a long way, uh, and we get into the ism of that. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, even uh, talking about that within, within the church, we begin to ask the question of what is the church? Quid est ecclesiam? What is mm-hmm. the church? And so we even have bishops and priests and uh, starting to ask these questions that, that forget that there's something on which we stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the ever-present threat of war. I mean, that's in every age just about. Whenever mm-hmm. we stop being the hands and feet of Christ, when we stop actually living as a mystical body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you see in all of this, you know, that same kind of self-referentialism, you know, that self-reference of, you know, you've, you're losing sight of the other, you know, racism, it's all about me and my race, mm-hmm. white supremacy, it's, you know, I'm white and things are, are great for me. And mm-hmm. that, you know, by default means they can't be great for anyone else. Neonationalism, you know, like our country is number one, everyone else mm-hmm. can, can, it's not know, even number it. two or 10. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, we are numbers one through 20. Um, right. You know, sexual identity is all about my identity. Mm-hmm. And you must sacrifice to my identity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it goes through, you know, all of these things that, that we hold as like bastions of value. Um, but really, it's just a way for us to turn the turn the, the lens back on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Hence um, the malaise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is also why none of us are fulfilled in identifying with these isms. Mm-hmm. Right. Because ultimately, there there is a, there's a hole in there. And so the only thing that I can keep stuffing in the hole is the ism. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, is is the, the thing that I say defines me, but secretly I'm not sure that it does, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so we begin to see that the result of malaise is not action, it's actually self-destruction. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's where we find ourselves um, really almost in every age. And so we have to look outside of ourselves, as Kierkegaard would suggest, and, and as certainly um, our, our church would tell us, right, that in every age, the martyrs give witness to one thing, that, that Christ is alive and Christ lives in the midst of, of our world. And he especially lives in those who are suffering, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so uh, that's why we, we spoke of uh, St. Maximilian, that's why we spoke of the apostles, is because there is a desire in each one of us to find an identity outside of the malaise, to yearn upward towards God. And to desire that kingdom that is not here. Mm-hmm. We have no lasting city here. And so we look again to, to Gaudium et Spes. Uh, Gaudium et Spes, of course, joy and hope, the pastoral constitution mm-hmm. on the church in the modern world. Um, and and we, we focus specifically, you really could read the whole thing and go, wow. Yeah. But, but the, second, the 22nd paragraph of Gaudium et Spes is one of my favorites because it kind of boils everything. It kind of lumps it into mm-hmm. the real core of everything that the church ponders in her entire 2,000-year-old history. It says, and I quote, The truth is that only in the mystery of the incarnate word does the mystery of man take on light. Because really what we're at here is talking about the mystery of humanity. And the thing that we're trying to kind of stuff full (laughs) is is the fact that man is mysterious and there has to be something to to peel back those layers of mystery. And it's in the incarnate word. It is in Jesus Christ. Um, The the Second Vatican Council says, For Adam, the first man, was a figure of him who was to come, namely Christ the Lord. Christ, the final Adam, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and his love. Are you ready? 
fully reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear. It is not surprising then that in him, all the aforementioned truths find their root and attain their crown. Mm-hmm. That what's, is the simple answer. Yeah. And what's remarkable about that is, you know, if you read uh, John Paul, he quotes that particular line that Christ fully reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. He re- he quotes that. I don't even know how many times. Yeah. Like I, I read and almost some, all of his works. I read somewhere once that if he had a... Um, a uh, you know license plate it would have said GS22 on it yeah. <laughs> because he, that's how often he quoted it but i think that was the antidote the antidote that he chose um that he didn't chose choose it you know he he made it explicit but that right. was the antidote that he most recognized would help to break down those isms like communism yeah. and uh socialism and yeah because that's really that's what he holds up yeah uh, john paul ii held this up to the world, whenever he he stood in front of all of those people in Poland, mm-hmm. and he spoke rather strongly, mm-hmm. he said, "Remember who you are, my countrymen, right? And remember whose you are, my countrymen." And that's what brings down all of these anti-human regimes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's why the apostles couldn't be allowed to live. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you, that's why Jesus himself could not be allowed to live because he showed life mm-hmm. to itself he showed the promise of eternal life mm-hmm. you know and and that's something that fallen humanity that does not recognize god must always rid itself of mm-hmm. and so that is why we as christians must turn to jesus we must look to him to allow our true selves our true mystery to be revealed because isn't that what we want all in all don't yes. we want don't we want to see ourselves not as mystery anymore yeah. don't mm-hmm. we want to see ourselves um, uh, uh, not dimly as in a mirror, but fully. Mm-hmm. We know that in the kingdom of heaven, that is the only way that that can happen. But doesn't Jesus tell us that the kingdom of heaven is is among you? It's here. And it's not in, in an earthly city, but it is in him, mm-hmm. right? He, he is the pearl of great price. That's what we call the Eucharist, right? That's what we call the sacraments of our church. And so it's only in, in seeing Jesus, huh? For by his incarnation, the Son of God has united himself in some fashion with every man. He worked with human hands. He taught with a human mind, acted by human choice, and loved with a human heart. And because of, of Mary's yes, he has truly been made one of us, like us in all things except sin. He does not possess the one thing that keeps us from understanding fully the mystery. Mm-hmm. Which makes him all the more perfect to show us what we're missing. That's right. Yeah, to show us who we are. Yeah. And so, pressing upon the Christian to be sure, are the need and the duty to battle against evil through manifold tribulations and even to suffer death. We see, again, how the martyrs are at work. Mm -hmm. Um, But linked with the Paschal mystery, the Easter mystery, life, death, and resurrection, and pattern on the dying Christ, he will hasten forward to resurrection in the strength which comes from hope. And so, all of of our, our hopes are tied up in how much we wish to identify with Christ yeah, and how much we, we seek to live his life. Yeah. And I love that, that underlying theme of hope, you know, it's not optimism. It's not optimism where it's, I'm going to see things as I, I wish they are. Yeah. I see things as I want them to be. It's hope. It's sees the reality of things, the suffering and things, the dirtiness of things, yeah. but also the beauty of who Christ is, who we are and who we're created to be and goes towards it. 
That's know? right. Pope Emeritus Benedict said, um, he who, some, I'm paraphrasing, but um, he who lives with hope lives differently. Yeah. Yes. And so so with that hope, you know, I, I, you know, talking about the mirror, if we can look past the dingy, the dingy mirror that we're looking in at mm-hmm. ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, if we can look past that to a mirror of hope, to a light of hope, then we can't, we can no longer live the same. And we um, can't live in the malaise yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. We can't sit in, in, in the, the mess and the muck and just go, oh, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, but to live with hope, one lives differently. One yeah. lives like the apostles. You know, one lives like St. Maximilian Colby and says, there's, there's more. There's more to this. Yeah. And, and there is indeed more. And, and we know it to be life in Christ. And since you've, you've sat all the way through this, uh, this segment, we have a special treat for you. You ready? It's time for Back Chat. All right, I've got a. I, I know. Jack. I've got a. I've still got my Walker Percy uh, uh, thing up there. I've got to get to the back chat. Here we go. <laughs> sorry about that, Ed. Sorry, sorry. I, I sat down on the job. All right, You're human. Uh, We're too yeah, excited. I know. This is this is Tina. Uh, Tina uh, wrote into us today and says, "I want to say hello. After several years of being a listener, I found you while my family and I, we are a family of eight, six kiddos through 27 years of marriage, wow. were living in Southern Italy from 2010 to 2014." I often listen to your podcast as I travel the 30 minutes from home to the military base every day. A few times you would talk about a place in Italy that I just visited <laughs> or was planning to visit, making your podcast feel like a thread from home. Yeah. I had to interrupt my listening abruptly in 2014 when our youngest daughter took ill with leukemia. Oh, wow. She is, praise God, in remission after a very long three-year battle. Tonight is the first time since 2014 I've been able to get back to some personal hobbies, and you all are once again like that thread in my life. This time you were a thread connecting my home here to my past home in Italy. I know that there have been changes in the show over the past three years, but hearing your familiar voices has been a joy to me today. Thanks for continuing to put in the hard work and create your show. Now, please excuse me. I have a lot of shows to catch up with. (laughs) Keep doing what you're doing. God bless you all. Ciao. Ciao. Tina. Cool. Yeah. Welcome back, Tina. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's beautiful. Grazie so, mille. Grazie mille. Yeah. We'll we'll keep doing what we're doing now. Just Santi keep. Santi Apostoli. Listening. That's right. <laughs> Santi Apostoli. Yeah. Yeah. Santi Apostoli. <laughs> we'll get it right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's Kathleen, by the way, Tina. You'll you'll get to know her. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. Well. Well. Again, thanks, Tina, very much, uh, and it's it's an honor to be able to be here with you in this uh, the eleventh year, I think, mm-hmm. of our project podcast and uh and so we we, we'll keep doing what we're doing as long as the lord wants it and as long as folks keep saying please don't stop well Mm -hmm. i guess we won't stop so Mm -hmm. you know all right that was your back chat treat uh it's your back chat your back chat and your backpack (laughs) but but jeff you know we have that the the regular treat that we usually get and it's a part of the show that we like to call the cu pick of the week all righty for the CU Pick of the Week. Uh, I guess we can go to Kathleen. How's that sound? All right. Good. Um, you her know, mom loves her. Yeah, she <laughs> does. <laughs> she does. Um, you know, with all the rain and the weather and all this kind of stuff, you may be looking for some good uh, footwear. And a lot of people buy like rain boots and, and all this kind of crazy stuff. I'm going to go with Chaco's. Okay. As my pick of the week. Why? Because they're phenomenal. Okay. Now, I, I didn't want to like... At first, I didn't want to get into the craze of the Chaco, uh-huh. um, but it is this sandal-like um, shoe. I, I mean, I, I would I would imagine this is sandal, and it's there are all different kinds of styles you can get. They have Pac-Man style. Yeah, Pac-Man. That's her <laughs> new one, Pac-Man. But I want to tell you this. They are the best rain shoe 
They're the best hiking shoe. Oh. They're the best slip on and go to the grocery store shoe. Um, I wore these, um, this, I'm on my second pair right now. They're on my feet as we speak because oh. I love them so very, very much. They smell good. Um, no, they. these actually don't. Um, no, they don't smell <laughs> they good. Usually they usually do. They smell terrible. <laughs> they usually do, but sometimes you need to give them a little wash in the washing machine. So, yeah. But, um, but I wore that? these, uh-huh, you can wash cool. them in the washing machine. I wore nice. these to World Youth Day in Poland and um, it was phenomenal. I had Chaco tans. Mm. And, um, that's a thing mostly because it was just dirty. Um, but, uh, they're, they, they're about a hundred or so dollars. So it's a, it's, you know, a little bit of a investment, but totally worth it. They, it takes a little while for your, sh- for your feet, maybe like a week or two to kind of mold mm-hmm. to the, um, Oh, okay. I see. Shoot. It looks like a, yeah, it's a foam. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like a, a, a harder, um, I don't even know what you would call it plasticky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gummy stuff but um, material yeah it's they're excellent so i'm gonna go with chacos um best rain shoes ever too uh, cool there they are chacos right. olivia yes my pick of the week is actually a, a person a live human being yeah. oh um okay. so you know so we have hurricane harvey going on in our neighboring state of texas and mm-hmm. a lot of people are being um really badly inundated with water and their homes are being destroyed but there are always signs of hope you know we in louisiana know very well that there's always signs of hope you just gotta look in the right places um so i came across the story of father david bergeron mm-hmm. um and he's my pick of the week because he uh he wanted so badly to get back to his parish um to offer mass for the people who were stranded uh, nearby that he kayaked back to his parish and he even stopped off at a liquor store tried to buy wine for mass <laughs> oh. but it was before noon on a sunday so oh, blue so laws kicked in yeah and he so he's tell, talking to the news reporter um Saying, you know, I'm not, I don't normally try to buy wine this early, but, you know, I was trying to be there for my parishioners. Um, mm. And he's just got this, like, wonderful joy about him. Again, you know, just making the best of a horrible situation. Um, so if you want to go watch that interview, I really recommend it. Um, and, of course, there's plenty of ways to help um, with relief efforts. So yeah. Yeah. look into those, too. Very cool. We can't show it to you because Facebook will not like it. No, so. but but you know about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got the Internet, obviously. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Blackwell, your pick of the week. I don't know. This thing, it sounds like a manly printer to me. The Epson. It, it's the Eco Tank. In other words, it, the Eco Tank. Yeah, yeah, the, the, <laughs> wow. Okay, so you order this printer from Epson. Right. It comes with enough ink to last two years. Wow. Like, you know, yeah. Nice. Isn't that amazing? In the printer? Why didn't they think? Well, actually, there's little uh, tanks on the side which hold the ink. Oh, and, oh. Uh, yeah, so you like the space to, shuttle. Precisely. Yeah, he got the solid rocket boosters next to the liquid, you know. Mm. You're welcome. Very careful. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. I just That's pretty that awesome. I love how you picked it because it sounded manly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and the price is not bad either. So uh, Yeah, also because at Catholic yeah. Radio, we are forever running out of toner. <laughs> That's true. We go through a lot of printing. Oddly enough, well, I mean, this uh, comes you with can't enough print ink. audio. But. Uh, in fact, there's a the, the pro version, uh, which is about 400 bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. You can actually find it a little bit cheaper than that. But still, there's enough wow. ink in there for two years, about 11,000 copies that we would print so i mean it's uh, uh oh blimey yeah yeah that's a that's a lot of that's mm. a lot of ink but what anyway you... i just thought it was kind of cool but, but it's, it's totally it's one of these cool printers you know it's wireless um it's got the scanner it'll do mm. the fax thing oh, that's and nice print, too. yeah, yeah so it's nice. uh it's, it's 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 pretty sweet so very cool i, I like all that yeah 
My pick of the week, somehow I, I got us here early. I don't know how I did it. But uh, my pick of the week is actually, uh, if, if you want to read a little bit more about uh, of, of Walker Percy, uh, his books are good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be a little heavy, a I little find. Bit. Uh, because again, we, we did you stick with us through C block? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it was it was a heavy topic. Yeah, um, Walker Percy though has some smaller essays. A lot of things, a lot of his nonfiction stuff that was never published. And after he died, uh, someone put together uh, signposts in a strange land, which were some of his essays. And mm -hmm. uh, so he left a quite a legacy. So he has essays on language, on literature, on philosophy, on religion, on psychiatry, morality. Um, and uh, just living in, in the southern United States, uh, living in Louisiana. And uh, the, the, there's really a versatility in, in what he can write. In fact, one of my favorites mm -hmm. is, um, is his address to the seminarians. He gave the baccalaureate presentation. And uh, the name of that was A Cranky Novelist Reflects on the Church. <laughs> and, and it was one of the, and I read it just a few months ago. I had never seen it before. I'd heard about it, but never seen it before. It's collected in, in, that, in this, uh, this book. And he, he gives such a fervorino to the seminarians, basically mm -hmm. to say, men, be good priests, be holy priests, and be priests that are steeped in the tradition of the church, because we don't need all the modernist nonsense that doesn't point towards anything. Mm. And so, uh, so if you want to read that, you can. Signposts in a Strange Land, Essays by Walker Percy. Uh, Alrighty, uh, Jeff, we want to thank those who are our benefactors, those who support us with their prayers and also uh, with their donations and things like that, don't we? Absolutely, we do. And this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. So join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by the uh, by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk. Coffee. More yep. information at catholicunderground.tv. That's right. In fact, I don't know if there's information up there because I probably have forgotten to put the Mystic Monk ad, but I'll, I'll put it up there. Sorry. Totally my fault. If you want the show notes <laughs> for this episode, if you want to subscribe to our audio podcast, you can go to catholicunderground.com and uh, I'll apologize to you, Tina. All of our shows aren't up there yet. I'm working on it. I'm working mm -hmm. on it. Our mm -hmm. panelists... Good. I've been Kathleen Lee. She's the benefactress at Kathleen YABR. Santi Apostoli. Thank you, Kathleen. I got it. <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Olivia Galino is our student of life, and she's here, uh, and we thank you, Olivia. <laughs> thank she's you. at OM Galino on Twitter. Right. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell up in space. Uh, Jeff oh, Blackwell. You, mm -hmm. you make a mean word salad, by the way, you follow. I sure too. do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dressing in there. Uh, at Jeff Blackwell is on Twitter. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. You're very welcome. Our research assistant and leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Thank you, Jim. Our video director is Ed Ball. You know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter, Digital Catholic. We hope we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice in our world. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital. And my friends, we will see you next time. Be safe out there.